It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. As we round out our number one, one of those crucial conversations we have to get to, and the person elevating our thinking and the conversation, Savannah Hopkinson from the Deseret News. And uh, Savannah, you wrote a very powerful piece uh, in terms of your experience and uh, that of many Asian Americans. And uh, just wanted to get you on the line to share some of that perspective. I think it's important for all of us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Boyd. So let's let's jump on in. Um, you experience. I actually want you to start uh, with packing a lunch <laughs> because I, I think that's just something that most people don't think about. You know, you're taking your lunch to school, and you know, you got your peanut butter and jelly, and you got your bag of chips, and uh, maybe a Hostess cupcake. Uh, your experience was a little bit different. Tell us about it. Yeah, so my mom was one of those great moms who made a lunch diligently every day for my sister and I, and it was always some great homemade food. Um, but what was different is that she made uh, food from her culture, from Filipino, the Filipino culture. So I was taking like these unique snacks that didn't necessarily have labels in English and these really exotic dishes that uh, not everybody was familiar with. And at some point in elementary school, it, it clued into other people that this wasn't their normal food. And I would start to get comments and they'd say my food looked dirty. It was weird. Um, and I became really embarrassed um, because I, like any other kid, I wanted to just fit in and be like everybody else. So I stopped eating lunch for a couple of years in elementary school. I would take the bag with me. So my mom thought I was bringing lunch, but then I just would leave it in my backpack the whole day and not eat it. And, of course, she started to notice that I was bringing home the food untouched. And, you know, we never had a conversation about it. But eventually those lunches changed into, you know, the, the hot dogs, the Little Debbie snacks, Capri Suns, uh, Lunchables, the things that the other kids were eating. Uh, and it wasn't until I was a lot older looking back that I realized kind of how sad that was that I had to be ashamed of this food and that my mom even felt that to help me fit in. She needed to change the food she was giving me yeah. and kind of erase that part of my upbringing. Yeah. Uh, tell me, tell me about the, uh, the conversation you had with your mom later on looking, looking back uh, after many years on, uh, on what happened just in that simple process of taking lunch to school. Yeah. You know, we talked about it just recently actually. And I, I said, do you remember when this happened? And she's like, of course, of course I remember. And, and I was saying, well, you know, the reason that happened was just because the kids would tease. And I'm really sorry that I did that. And she said, I don't know why that they would tease. You know, I, I tried my very best to raise you like all the other white parents around. And that just broke my heart a little bit. That Again, she felt that for her to be accepted, for her children to be accepted, we had to erase this cultural identity. Yeah, and that is uh, that is the real tragedy. There's There's so many things that... Uh, we need to make sure we keep with us, even as uh, people come to this country, 
Uh, we don't want everyone to be the same. It's uh, it's our uniqueness that gives the the country power. Uh, you've had an interesting uh, space to observe a lot of what's gone on uh, over the past year, uh, both with your uh, Filipino heritage. Uh, and then we're just watching what has gone on. Of course, we've seen uh, some of that Asian hate to some of those attacks on uh, particularly older Asian Americans. Uh, give us your uh, reaction to that. And where do you think we are as it relates to that? Well, my reaction has been pretty, pretty hard. Well, I guess my, I felt very emotional about it, especially when I'd see that it was mostly these older, older Asians. And because that was the exact same age range of my parents. And in every attack, every story, all I could see was the faces of my own family members. And I think for that reason is why I really started to speak up more about it and say something and try and embrace that experience and say, you know, these attacks aren't coming from nowhere. We, we deal with these sort of comments and side glances and things every day, maybe not the physical violence, but we don't talk about these stories. And I think we need to, because as you said, we need to embrace all of those backgrounds. Yeah. As far as where we are today, you know, I do think that there are more voices out there and it's really these young Asian Americans and the second generation uh, that are speaking out more uh, because we feel protective of our elders. Uh, that is part of a cultural thing. You know, we're very connected. A lot of Asian Americans actually still live in multi-generational households. So this isn't something that, you know, is just somewhat related to them. Like it's their everyday life. You know, they see their grandparents and parents every day. Uh, and so it hits very close to home. And we're also breaking down those barriers of not of keeping silent and language barriers that have really prevented a lot of these crimes from being tracked in the past. So important. We know that uh, the Senate recently passed uh, a, uh, a resolution on that in terms of uh, the hate crimes, uh, particularly against Asian Americans. We know this month is also Asian American and Pacific Islander uh, focused. And uh, you mentioned in your in your piece, uh, even that can be a little bit confusing uh, as someone who has spent a lot of time uh, traveling, doing business in Asia. Uh, I just see each of those cultures as so so unique. Uh, and then we kind of put everything together. Uh, tell us kind of some background there. Yeah, so exactly like what you pointed out, you know, Asia as a continent uh, covers about 48 countries and some 2300 languages. Wow. And that's not even including the Pacific Islands. So to say that it's all the same kind of to lump it together is really disingenuous and, and doesn't account for the nuance in those cultures. The term Asian American actually didn't really pop up until the 60s, um, and it was more of a the result of uh, this great effort to have Asian Americans see themselves as unified um, and get rid of older terms like Oriental um, and to push for you know being welcome um, as American citizens. But today, and really even then, if you were to ask anyone who identifies with that group you know, what is your heritage? They don't say Asian. They'll say you know, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Filipino. Um, and and so, you know, again, we need to account for that nuance, but this isn't a homogenous group. And Pacific Islanders also feel some tension within that lumping together. Uh, and I talk about that in my piece a little bit and, and someone who's experienced it themselves, just that, again, it's a whole other part of the world. And though there may be some cultural similarities, they are individual countries with their own traditions and languages. Uh, and unique aspects that we should take into account. Yeah, yeah, and it is so powerful. I encourage you to, to check out uh, Savannah's piece on Deseret.com. We'll put that on our social media channels today. 
as well, uh, the rise of anti-Asian hate. Uh, and again, just a lot of great information there. We know also there was a report out today from Kim Gardner uh, Institute talking about uh, minorities here in the state of Utah. And we're going to break down some of those numbers uh, on the program tomorrow. Uh, but Savannah, I always appreciate your perspective. And I, I love this uh, this powerful component that most of these Asian Americans still live in multi-generational homes. Uh, and there is uh, there's real power, real power in that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we should all be welcomed and embraced as our whole selves and not feel like we have to shed uh, part of ourselves to be accepted. Yeah, absolutely. So important. And uh, one of the things you point out in the piece, and again, we'll we'll post these today, is that it is this younger generation uh, that are raising their voices in new ways, in powerful ways, uh, and really giving voice to many things that their parents and grandparents Uh, simply were unable to raise. So Savannah Hopkinson, thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate your perspective, your insight, and your brilliant writing. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. All right, and that's Savannah Hopkinson. Uh, She's a great writer. She's a great thinker and uh, always worth reading and and just really a a powerful personal story uh, that uh, really should cause us all to reflect and think a little different, which is what we're always trying to do around here. All right, that's going to do it for us for our number one today. But we are just getting started on the expanded inside sources. Uh, so stick around with us. Uh, we'll have top of the hour news coming up. And then when we come back, we're going to look at what's happening uh, to Liz Cheney in the Republican Party and what that means for the party, for the conservative movement and for the country. Coming up next, much more to come on the expanded inside sources here on KSL News Radio. I'm Boyd Matheson. Stick with us. We'll be right back. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.